Hey everyone, you're listening to So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. Today on the show, we are talking about Red Dragon, this uh, prequel to all the Hannibal Lecter movies. The third third in the series, is that right? Yep. Yeah. Third in the series, yeah. but first chronologically, it's, it's a thing. We're going to talk about that. Uh, but no matter where you might be listening to us today, we want to remind you that all our episodes are available at soundcloud.com slash so many sequels pod. Follow us there and be sure to leave a comment when you listen. And with that, we're going to talk about Red Dragon, directed by Brett Ratner, released in 2002, I think. Yep. Starring, once again, Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter, but this time bringing um, Edward Norton into the fold as the kind of law enforcement investigative agent that that uh, spars with Hannibal like hap- what happens in all of these movies. And this takes place before the uh, events of Silence of the Lambs. We start out seeing, um, we get this weird kind of prologue where Will determines that, that Hannibal is the killer he's looking for. And then they stab each other. <laughs> and then we get the title sequences and then we jump forward where Hannibal's in jail. In the familiar jail that you'll see in Silence of the Lambs. Yes, the very same one. Um, this movie, uh, this is something I'm sure will come up later, but it's a li- it's very similar to the formula of Silence of the Lambs. Like Clary Starling, uh, Will Graham is investigating a serial killer and he goes to Hannibal to kind of help him better understand the serial killer and, and catch him. Very, very similar stories. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the serial so, killer in this played by uh, Lord Voldemort. Yes, Ray Fiennes. So to start out, uh, I was I thought I'd try something new this time. I Listen, want you can't just be springing new things on us like this. <laughs> that's I, what I happens when you. It's episode fifty four. When you control the show, that's how it goes. I just don't like this idea. Now I'm new here, so it's all it's, it's all true. good by me. I thought I, I'm I thought not in my ways. I thought it'd be interesting to see for everyone to describe the movie first impression with just one word. Sound good, okay. Andrew? Do you want to start and go around? Me. Okay. I was going to say creepy. Okay. I was going to say good. I was going to say unnecessary. Oh. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Different takes. Different takes all around the table. Only one person said something truly positive. (laughs) Uh, So I had never seen Red Dragon before this. I'd pretty much only ever seen Silence. This is my first experience with it. I didn't love it. You know, last week we talked about Hannibal, and that one, that one I, I straight up didn't really like. This one, I, I didn't not like it. I just didn't feel like it was necessary to the story. It didn't seem to really push anything forward, and I didn't really learn anything about uh, the characters that made me feel like I needed it. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm sitting. Well, I think that's because none of the characters in this one are in the other two. So True. The, the Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal are, about, are focused on Clarice. Mm-hmm. This is more focused on you. You learn a little bit more about Hannibal to an extent. You learn a, bit, a little bit more through that montage thing about him being the serial killer and him getting caught and like his relationship with Will Graham, which is similar but different mm-hmm. to Clarice's because he, in some way, admires Will Graham but also hates him because Will is the one that caught him. And with Hannibal, he feels like. He has always got to be the most intelligent in the room. Mm-hmm. And he got beat by Will, and that bothers him. But because of that, he is trying to work with him, and, he, and you see that weird relationship that he forms with these people like he does with Clarice. And so there's one point in the movie where Ed Norton is pushing and challenging Hannibal and is like, do you maybe you think that you can help me because he's smarter than you or whatever, trying to challenge his intellect to get... Hannibal to help with this case as they're continuing to look for the tooth fairy, which also a stupid mm-hmm. name. Yeah, not a great, not a, not a very foreboding serial but killer at, name. But at the same time, very fitting with uh, all the bad names that <laughs> That's true. people seem to like. And, and from my understanding, it's, you know, from like a tabloid, right? So, well, what you know, was the, a bad name. What was the name of the killer in Silence? Uh, Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo Bill. Bill. That's weird, which is, but it doesn't have the same kind of like, it, but I don't like, know, tooth fairy, or not tooth fairy. I mean, it, it may- also doesn't seem to be based on anything that the killer, like Buffalo Bill, does. Yeah. Like, it's not like no, yeah. his elements are similar to 
the, the phrase Buffalo Bill or even mm-hmm. the concept. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it started as a bad joke. Yeah, right? Bad joke and just anyway. moves on from there. And then Hannibal the Cannibal is, is Hannibal's nickname as a serial killer, which is... Right. Makes sense. But I mean, it rhymes. You also <laughs> learned before that he was known as the Chesapeake Ripper, and you go through yeah. all of that in the montage. I also have watched the show, which is a prequel to Red Dragon to an extent, so I know a little bit more. Like, some of those things that you see in the little montage make a little more sense if you've seen the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he was the Chesapeake Ripper... Chesapeake Ripper is a good name. It is. That's and, scary. And that's yeah. who Will, He's got a good intimidation. I believe that's who Will was looking for at the beginning of this. They never right. mentioned mm-hmm. it. And then it then it evolved as they discovered that he was eating people to Hannibal the Cannibal because it, right. it rhymes. What, but Chesapeake Ripper was the original one. What I found kind of disappointing is that that's that, fir- that prologue was very interesting. And I wish that had been the movie. Sure. I wanted the movie to be about Edward Norton catching Hannibal. Mm-hmm. But instead we got that shoehorned into a 10-minute scene, and then we fast-forward to just to essentially repeat Silence of the Lambs with a different FBI yeah. agent, yeah. when it could have been way more interesting to, to catch w- Hannibal for the could, first time. It could have been. It was That's the way they could have gone <clears throat> with it. But I think um, when it comes down to it, I don't know, uh, Hannibal is also based on a book, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, I think that they just didn't want to do an original idea, and, and they had they had tried. I think, Andrew, you brought this up in the past. They had tried to adapt the book Red Dragon before with the movie Manhunter. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily the same people who made this movie, but it had been attempted. Yeah. Right. Silence of the Lambs was an adaptation of the second book. Mm-hmm. And Hannibal, and I, I, I guess it would have mean it would have meant doing an original story, or maybe getting the author to help co-write a whole new story to do that. Whereas he had already written Red Dragon, and they had, you know, as far as it, Hannibal Lecter had never been in uh, as, as the, the origin mm-hmm. of the of the character as a as a as you know uh, in book form on film, so. I kind of see why they went that way. They could have made that prologue scene maybe longer, fleshed it out a bit more. That's why it's one of the elements, though, for my word to describe it, creepy. Where and, and I say creepy in the best of ways and in the worst of ways at times. It's that op- the whole opening from him sitting out in the opera watching this, uh, what do you call a person who plays a flute? A flautist? <laughs> watching this flautist, flautist. play. And mess up, and then him having dinner with the group, and you know, not so subtly, we as the audience can, you know, we figure out that I think he's probably serving these people that flouts, and <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. and it moves in. I mean, and and just because we all know, it'd be interesting if this movie was chronol, if they had made these chronologically with Anthony Hopkins, uh, how those scenes would have felt, because we know going in as we're watching that Hannibal. We know his his backstory thanks to silence, thanks to hand or thanks not maybe not his backstory, but we know his four story <laughs> going in. So we know what he's probably doing. And so when Will goes in to talk to him, and Will's Will Graham, Ed Norton's character, is making those connections, we're like, you're, you're you got it, man. We you get you know you you should not be uh, you should not be fuddling around here. You got to get on this, and um, and that continues through whether it's Ralph's uh, uh, fine. Uh, I can never say his last name. How do you say it? Pronounce his last Fines. name? Fines. Fines. The Ralph Fiennes character, creepy as all hell. Uh, uh, every it, it was a lot like Silence in that way. It felt like every other male character in Silence of the Lambs was just as creepy as possible in various different ways. And this movie kind of, I feel like, if anything, carrying forward. I don't know. You guys said Hannibal as a movie was more violent. A little bit, as far as I a, think. As far as a horror movie goes. And this was more, like, creepy, intense. Like, you're always, like... Mm-hmm. like They don't necessarily show you every terrible, violent thing that happens. But everything that does... But everything... You feel like, oh my god, I'm about to watch somebody get, like, their head blown off any moment. Or I'm gonna see... This person's gonna get cut up. And they give you, like, just up to the edge. And sometimes they'll give you a little bit. And I thought that part was well executed. It, it it kept me creeped out a lot. That's what was good about silence is is the the violence felt intentional when it happened. It mm. didn't feel like it was just there whereas Hannibal was like, you know, we got the scene where a bunch of pigs eat a guy. Mm. Why? Why is that in there? And then uh you got um <laughs> Hannibal serving Ray Liotta his own brain <laughs> while he's still alive and it just felt yeah. It just didn't feel right. It felt forced and this one 
did dial it back a little bit to make it feel more intentional. And it ups the creepiness. Yeah, and, and those, uh, to point out one more part before Andrew starts, the whole uh, Will uh, Graham's character going through the house, houses of the victims, and kind of trying to get in Dollar Hyde's mind uh, was all great. Like, there's, there's a whole, there's a whole like, section of this movie that you could isolate as just Ed Norton's character that's just all good stuff of him trying to get in this guy's head him figuring out these little pieces and figuring out how it all connects, whether it's the broken mirrors, whether it's the, the, you know, leaving only the, 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 the mothers alive in those situations, uh, figuring out, uh, the whole connection with William Blake and Hannibal Lecter is super creepy in this. And mm-hmm. I believe, uh, Anthony Hopkins said that he wanted to take Hannibal Lecter back to being a real, bad guy that you shouldn't root for. I think that he thought that people were viewing him as a weird anti-hero by the end of his last two films, and he wanted to get Hannibal in a bad... He wanted to reinforce it, like, this is a bad guy. You should not be mm-hmm. applauding him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Andrew, go ahead. No, it's all good. Um, no, I just... I like this film a whole lot better than I loved Hannibal. I, I thought Hannibal was terrible. But this movie in particular wasn't... <clears throat> Wasn't as good as Silence, but what I liked about this movie is that I think you had just what uh, just what you mentioned before the for the foreboding mm-hmm. of of an enemy of a of an evil presence and the manifestation of an enemy of an of an, of an evil through Ray Fiennes, who is really good in this, I will say, um, and I loved how the violence. Even though it was there, it was minimal. It's kind of like, uh, I may have mentioned this before, about Jaws. You barely see the shark, but we know the shark is the center of the story. And that's what works for this movie in terms of, say, Hannibal. But it really works for Silence of the Lambs. doesn't really have to rely on blood, violence, and gore. Um, that being said, I'm, I'm really happy... One more thing. Uh, uh, I'm really happy that they brought back Ted Talley, who was the original screenwriter for Silence of the Lambs. Because I think he knows, if he knows, if anybody knows how to write, how to write uh, Thomas Harris novels and adapt them into screen form, it's him. With all that being said, I think that this film in general doesn't do anything. And it doesn't have any type of... It doesn't have that wow factor. It just doesn't do it. I mean, it's a it's like a good Saturday afternoon horror flick that you probably might want to watch during during the Halloween season in order to get a good to get in order to get a good thrill. But other than that, it's pretty much throwaway. It's funny you say that because prior to um, you guys uh, uh, telling me that you wanted to do this or you you know landing on this the other week. Uh, I had only seen Red Dragon, and I saw it on I think <clears throat> I think USA or Spike TV or something. Mm-hmm. Obviously, an edited version. It was the only one I had seen. I I really didn't uh, have or having much desire to see the the any of these films, but I always thought Red Dragon was cool. I was always a big Ed Norton fan when I was a kid because uh, I really liked this. I really liked um, like the um, what was that? Uh, um, he was in a movie with Ben Stiller. <laughs> oh, keeping the faith. keeping the faith. I was I thought that was a really fun film when I was young. Anyway, my point is that um, this was the first one I ever saw or had any real memories of. I hadn't watched it in probably like t- ten years, honestly. Though from from with for, for, before this viewing, it made me go back and made me watch Silence of the Lambs. So for me, the two films really, I feel these two films complement each other fairly well, and I think it's because they got the same screenwriter. They were able to have that that same feel, that same voice for uh, Hannibal Lecter Mm -hmm. and that same sense of of pace and element uh, uh, of of that sort of thriller Mm -hmm. element Mm -hmm. that keeps this movie at a, I think at a pretty good pace. It doesn't feel too long. doesn't necessarily feel too, you know, it doesn't feel like they waste too much space. And um, would you say it's a, would you say it's a horror movie or a thriller? I think you have to give it like horror thriller because it, it it's definitely has a, a more of a thriller pace, but there are some pretty 
despite what I said about or us talking about not being too bloody, there are some pretty violent images in it. Yeah. Um, whether it's the the scenes of the the, the scenes of the the murders mm-hmm. or uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman rolling down the street on fire, it's a there are some moments that are pretty intense horror, and if you're, you know, I could understand if this had an R rating. Yeah. I don't think it's a throwaway. I think it's a different branch. Because Silence and Hannibal are both about Clarice and, to an extent, her relationship with Hannibal. This is not. And you don't really learn much else about Hannibal. You learn a little bit about his past, but it's not focused on Hannibal. This movie is about Will Graham. Okay. And not Hannibal. In my opinion, this is about Will Graham, and I think that this movie does a better job of giving you a villain. It it improves upon what they tried to do with Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill, we all discussed, was not well thought out, thus a lot of the controversies that you got. This, you didn't get, you got a little bit of the relationship between Will and Hannibal, but it was mostly about the other guy. Mm-hmm. It was about the third it was about the Tooth Fairy and Will's trying to catch him and deal with his past of Hannibal and those fears that he has with Hannibal carrying over to the Tooth Fairy. And I think that gives it a broader stroke than what they, they tried to fit all of those things into silence. And then again, you get the controversies. You tried to create Hannibal's backstory and give him this because he's the main character. But you also tried to set up the relationship with Clarice and Hannibal, but you also tried to get her to go focus on this guy, and it all got too much, and certain things weren't fleshed out, and then you got your controversies, and people felt like it didn't do a good job of explaining enough of Buffalo Bill to where it wasn't offensive. I think this did a good job of giving you a really good backstory of a villain in The Tooth Fairy. It gave you a relationship between Will and Hannibal. But that was all because we had already seen how he interacted with Clarice. So I don't necessarily say it's throwaway. I just think it's on a different branch than the other two. If it had been a story about Will Graham trying to track down Hannibal, then I think it would have been in the same line. But I think it's on a different up or down branch. It's not on the same plane, even though it ends going into it. Mm -hmm. We already know all of that stuff. So I, I don't, I, it's hard for me to put it in the same area mm-hmm. other than the fact that Anthony Hopkins is in the whole yeah. I think that's why Andrew's thrown it away, though. But you, it depends on how you look at it. So for me, I don't look at it as, it, I mean, it has Hannibal in it, but it's not a Hannibal movie, in my opinion. It's, no, a, it's it, a crime detective story that right. has Hannibal in it, and it, so it can, it can stand alone. It doesn't need the other ones. One of the, one of the things I will say, though, is that I think what sells Silence of the Lambs, and I, I discuss, I remember discussing this during Silence, is the chemistry. Like, because uh, uh, Jodie Foster and, and Anthony Hopkins just had great chemistry. Mm-hmm. And here, you get a mystery thriller that's, you know, more or less, it, it's an adaptation. Presumably, you know, a pretty decent one. Not a great one, but a decent one mm-hmm. of the original source novel. Uh, what's missing here is what's missing here is just the chemistry. Uh, I, I disagree. I, I, I think that there's pretty good chemistry. Yeah. I'm, I'm with Andrew on this one. Ed Norton we're, and, we're split uh, down and, the middle. And, and Ed Norton and, and Anthony Hopkins, I feel like had good interact. Had good. Yeah, their relationship is just different. It is they, different. It's very. They have antagonistic. a. It's antagonistic, but also respectful in a sense that they both tried to kill each other. Mm-hmm. Clarice and Hannibal never had that situation, so there's this weird hate respect and they do a really good job in my opinion of portraying that they both need each other Mm -hmm. to like Hannibal needs some kind of antagonist person in his life that's what I mean Clarice was his antagonist because Mm -hmm. they challenged each other and and Will is someone who challenges Hannibal and they do a good job of having a animosity towards each other but also a need for each other Hannibal needs somebody to challenge him Mm -hmm. and Ed Norton needs Will Graham needs Hannibal to help solve this case. So they're reluctantly intertwined with one another, and I th- I think they did a good job portraying that. Yeah, it's probably because of this relationship that the the FBI later in Silence of the Lambs says, well, we know it's possible that we can get this guy to help us. I, I want to point out a fun fact. I didn't count these. I, 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 I looked this up. But 
Hannibal Lecter has the same amount of scenes in this movie that he has in Silence of the Lambs. There's not any... Now, how long those those, I, those scenes are might vary by a little bit, but he's in, as far as the scenes by number go, he's in the same amount. So, like, they didn't, they don't, they didn't use Hannibal more here. He's not, like, a crutch, and they, and they didn't use him less so that he's unnoticeable. So it's kind of like, I, I feel like they have, they use that right balance because he's perfect in Silence of the Lambs. I feel like they went back to that. They said we had a lot of Hannibal. I assume there's a lot of Hannibal in the movie. Hannibal. There's much less here. Uh, more, I mean, there's more. Not, He's not still a central figure. I mean, he is, but he. I would. Yeah. I mean, there's more than Hannibal. But I, I noticed that whenever I was watching this, it's like there's there's not a lot of Hannibal in this. He's 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 quite absent, but at the same time, he's would he. I mean, you said it just a second ago. Uh, it's not it's not Hannibal's movie. It's Will's. It is, yeah. and because you already had something like this, so you don't need Hannibal for this as much as you did in Silence of the Lambs because you already had that. So yeah, this is. I mean, one of the things that I wrote down is that this is going back. I mean, Hannibal was such a far cry from Silence of the Lambs, and this this goes back to the feeling of Silence of the Lambs. You've already had that, so you can't redo that so you don't need you already we as an audience have seen two Hannibal movies we know about Hannibal you don't need to grow him anymore because it's a prequel also so you have a little bit of his backstory you don't need to have all of that this is a this is a in my opinion a Will Graham Tooth Fairy movie with Hannibal helping mm-hmm. and a little bit of Hannibal background yeah. like it, it it is in the same trilogy obviously but like it is not supposed to be about Hannibal. Yeah. Hannibal's a supporting character. You know, and he's a, a strong supporting character, but he he is a he's a he's a if you'll forgive it, he's a very important plot device in catching these other serial killers. We've touched on a little bit uh Dollar Hyde played by Ralph Fiennes incredibly more fleshed out than uh Buffalo Bill. You get extended sequences with him and his story and his and you get ideas. They 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 play sort of this, uh, I guess, in his own head, remembering of the abuse he suffered as a kid or as a child. And um, they uh, show you the kind of the world he lives in and how he kind of views it from where he is. And it really uh, it's kind of funny because today we are we're always talking about mental health and stuff. So I'm watching this going like I'm just kind of watching going like man. This is like a really mentally unstable guy. Like some, this is the kind of you like. I feel like uh, I wonder how this movie would. I wonder how this story, you know, happens in today's culture, like in today's social media and the technology we have now. How do you do this? How would this story be written today um, versus when it was written? I think in eighty two. As when the first, as when the first book came, it could be wrong. Possibly off. When was uh, you know now that now that we're on the subject of that, when was the last like serial killer movie that came out recently? Halloween. I mean, besides that, but that's not an original character. Um, yes, it is. Uh, but I mean, like, <laughs> was the would like Get Out count as serial killers? Uh, no, no, I don't think serial killer. Um, or s- slasher. I guess what you could. slasher movies aren't really a thing anymore. They're not in like they used to be. So you see fewer fewer of those. I think we talked about that a little bit during our yeah. Halloween series. It's more of a crime drama. As too. for like a a brand new serial killer film, I don't know. I don't know. Because it okay. seems like a lot of times they're also... If, if now you, they're like retellings of true events and not still not a fictional character per se. Yeah. If Maybe you know like, one, you should leave one in the comments on SoundCloud. Yeah, on SoundCloud or on Facebook.com slash so many sequels pod. <laughs> well, I think they did a good job of, again, going back to the char- the the Tooth Fairy itself and comparing him to Buffalo Bill, they did a better job of giving him the backstory and even giving him some sympathy. There at the very end, um, Will Graham is reading his diary and then you think that he's dead and that it's over and he's reading this diary and he goes this guy wasn't born a monster he was made a monster and i couldn't help but feel bad for him and i think that gives a realistic kind of understanding that he became this way because of how he was treated and how he was raised and that it's not a broad stroke of 
everyone in the community of that might have a mental illness of some kind. You know, mm-hmm. his was a specific instance of his entire childhood, mm-hmm. and it led him to have a hatred towards people. He's a very Frankenstein's monster element to him of sort of being made into a monster. The element um, that really stood out to me was he has the, he, he develops a relationship with a blind woman that he works with. Um, and in, obviously in Frankenstein's novel, there, or in, in the story of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, there's a the monster comes across a blind man and his family who take him in. Blind man can't see, obviously, what's wrong with the monster. Same thing here. She can't see anything wrong with him, so she doesn't judge him the way that he thinks the whole world judges him. Mm-hmm. It gives him a sense of, I guess, validation and a feeling of, of you know, he starts to doubt himself. He starts to doubt whether or not he can keep, he, he needs to keep doing this, he has to keep doing this. And ultimately, it just causes more mental breaks to happen and he just goes uh, further, further in. But it's... Um, it's a really, I, I think that, you know, I want to, I want to give the writing of this movie and I think that a lot of the character, it's very character driven and very performance driven. And I think it, it's really good in a lot of those elements, um, from pretty much across the board, you know, in terms of performances there, I don't feel like there's that, there's a really a weak performance to give here or to, to single out. So, um, yeah. Okay. Any favorite scenes in the movie? I gotta say, it's a, uh, if I had a favorite scene, it's uh, Hannibal and Will in the little walk around room where he has he's on the chain yeah. and he can't go out, he can't go past the circle. Um, it sums up that creepy thing I was talking about where uh, Hannibal's just slightly out of reach of being able to do what he wants to do, even though he knows he can't probably do what he wants to do because he's got guards all around him. But he knows that he can. He knows he can freak him out. Knows he can scare him a little bit, and uh, you know he he has that whole conversation. He's talking in riddles. He gives Will a clue, which Will realizes and goes straight to the library, and figures out all that stuff. It's um, it's that's one of my favorite scenes. Interesting. I wouldn't say I. You know, none of the scenes really stick out to me as a favorite. Um, all right, nothing. Yeah, I don't have one. In terms of. Uh, I'm kind of with you on this one. I don't have one. There's not really a scene in this that's just like, oh man, that was awesome. It's just, you know, may I think maybe one thing I, that I thought was impressive was when he was when he captured uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, mm-hmm. Mr. Lowndes. Yeah, Mr. Lowndes. And when he captured Mr. Lowndes and he took him back to his house and he tortured him. Mm-hmm. And you know he showed that that giant back tattoo, which I which I heard took eight hours to apply. Yeah, probably. so yeah, I bet. Uh, but no, uh, like to see all that, I think that was that was the that was a creepy slash like terrifying scene, and that's probably uh, uh, that's probably the the scene that stuck out the most. Yeah. Other than that, I don't have like a favorite in this. That that scene stood out so much that it's immortalized in South Park. Yes, <laughs> I was do thinking. Do you of... see? Do you see? <laughs> oh my God, I'm so bored. I think was that the left hand killer. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> do you see? You know, uh, I my my wife saw that scene and she did not get that joke for years, and then she finally watched this with me and she goes, "Oh, what? this is what that stupid left hand killer thing's about." Do you see? Yeah, like I, I remember, I remember seeing that. And I'm 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 thinking in my mind because it was released right around that time, right around the time that this movie came out, and they kept saying like, "Do you see? Do you see?" <laughs> and it never occurred to me until just ne- till till earlier. I'm like, "Oh, they were parroting that movie." <laughs> yeah. What about you, Garrett? Is there a scene that stands out to you as cooler than the rest? No, I Better mean, the, for me, the most memorable scene is the end um, because I was watching this movie this morning, and for me, it was like, okay. I've seen this movie before. I own... This is the one that I owned. Uh, and I was like, there's a scene where the Tooth Fairy shows back up and tortures Will, but this movie's almost over. <laughs> and, like, this was right at the end when they were wrapping up and you thought that he was dead. And I, it had been a long time since I'd seen this. And I was like, that's the scene that I remember. I know I'm not crazy. <laughs> but I didn't realize it was at the very, very end. So, for me, I like that scene. Um, I think it shows... Again, 
one thing that you don't really get is how deep Will Graham is as far as his ability to think like a serial killer. That's something that comes out a lot in the TV show, which, again, if you haven't seen the TV show, you should because it's great. I'm considering it. it honestly, it's, I think it's the best Hannibal Lecter content that's out there in addition to all of the movies. Um, but that's just me. I'm, but you really get a, an idea of the Will Graham mindset because he's the main detective. And so you can see whenever he's at a scene, and they touch on this and his ability to think like a serial killer and, project, and like see the images... You really get that in the show, and that's something that I would have liked to have seen here. So you see that a little bit as he's looking through the crime scenes. And you mentioned that he's going through the crime scenes and he's able to see things. And so at the end of this movie, he's able to recall on his reading of the Francis Dollarhide's journal. And as Francis has Will's son held hostage, he had done what most children would do in that situation and, and peed himself. And he starts yelling at his son. He calls him a filthy beast and threatens to cut it off. Mm -hmm. And those are all things that Francis went through with his grandmother. And so that was just a way to get into the mind of the serial killer. Yeah. And that really stands out as something that the character is able to do. I would have liked to have that been more developed into how deep he really can think as a mm -hmm. serial killer. But that's the scene that always I remember well, from this movie. It's a, lot, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great final like smart moment. Like, the, all the characters, well, not all the characters, because there's some characters that obviously, like, uh, Chilton, the guy who runs the asylum, yeah, he's yeah, kind shit. of played more for being, like, a jerk. But uh, most of the characters in this, very smart. Even the, you know, the serial killer, he's not stupid. Nope. He, he, he does everything he can. Not, he, he knows exactly how to not get caught doing what he's doing. And, um, you know, manages to, to, to stay hidden for a long time. But, yeah, it shows you. It's like coming up with that on the spot, not freaking out, not losing your cool pushes all of the right buttons to get out of that situation, or at least to, you know, advance the situation. Granted, still uh, st still doesn't end great for him, but... Mm -hmm. I was... He, oh, sorry, what? He makes his way through. Go oh, ahead. No, no, no. I, I was just going to say, like, it, surpri it surprised me that, like, one, how good this cast was, and two, how many people came back from the original. Mm -hmm. And because Dr. Chilton... Dr. Chilton, the the security guard mm -hmm. for Dr. Lecter. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know this, but he's actually been in, he's been in all four movies, mm -hmm. including uh, Manhunter. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to say Hannibal Rising. On the subject of, of the cast, there's a couple of little fun facts. One, oh. one is true, I think. One I can't find if it's, I can't fully confirm, so take it with a grain of salt, but I'm seeing it places. Uh, the the role of Francis Dollarhide was originally offered to Paul Bettany. Oh, see, so he could, and he turned that it down. Yeah. And I think that could have been interesting. He could have pulled that off. And then the one that I'm trying to find confirmation on, but can't find anything beyond like blogs and stuff, is that uh, Michael Jackson lobbied to play Francis Dollarhide. See, I believe that. But I, I believe it, but I can't confirm I, it. I don't know how true it is. I cause... can say I, that Michael did visit the set. Yeah. There's video of him on the set of Red Dragon and okay. that he was good friends with Brad Ratner. Okay. So it well, makes sense that it might be true, but it, that would have been, especially knowing... It's things. absolutely <laughs> possible, but also I feel like you could pull up any movie thing between like 1990 and 2005 and Michael Jackson was rumored to play somebody in it. It could be. Because he, and he, he visited a lot so of sets. many things. He wanted to be in the Batman movies. He wanted to be Doctor Who at one point. He's been wanting to be in like movies basically his whole career, um, and they just always fall through for what one reason or another. It seemed it, it or it fell through for whatever reason. I was offered the part of Josh in this movie as as uh, Will Graham's son. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I was, I, was, oh. I, was I turned it down. I was, I was like, like ah, I got in school. this in this podcast, no. the role of me in this podcast. No, that's too much pressure. <laughs> uh, that does just a couple couple little uh, interesting tidbits. I wouldn't call them fun. They're interesting. No. It is interesting. You know what else I find interesting about this is that this movie was filmed and released one year after Hannibal came out. Yeah. Like it's a very a short... far cry from the the time difference between Silence and Hannibal. Which yeah, was ten years. Ten years. Yeah. So let's talk about they that because one, right one of the things that you were concerned with, Josh, mm -hmm. was the fact that this was a prequel and it was ten plus years later. So yes. how did that mess with you at all? Because like, for yeah, because he looks old. He does look old, and it did, and did take it. me out of did it. Did it take you out of it? Mm -hmm. Because for me, I didn't care. You nah, didn't. I for me, you me. didn't see Hannibal enough to make it 
whatever. Like I and just, it, it was, I, it the was fact, one of those where like you just suspend whatever. And it, it was, was the there. fact that they put him in the same exact setting mm-hmm. as Silence. That's fair. Where it's like now I'm seeing an older Anthony Hopkins in the same setting. Mm. It's clearly hard to sell this as a prequel. Yeah. That's fair. It I is hard. That. It is hard to sell, but it's also kind of like I, I don't know. Because from what I could tell, there was also no attempt. To young him. No, no. Well, they I didn't, didn't see. They probably didn't have the technology. Yeah, they, they had, had prosthetics and stuff. They had makeup yeah, and stuff. I, he lost ten or fifteen. The only for attempt it, I, I could see was in the prologue when he had a ponytail for no reason. That was, yeah, that was an interesting choice. Like, but I want young people at ponytails. Put him. Put Anthony in <laughs> like, a ponytail. Like a super pretentious guy. <laughs> put a ponytail. Why not? Yeah, it's. But also at the same time for me, like Anthony Hopkins or Ant, how do you pronounce it? He's looked the same to me for like the last thirty years. So. It, you know, for me, he almost looks the same in yeah, Silence as he does here. For me, he didn't look like a young man a in thinner. Um, Silence. No, but he wasn't. He looked, he looked older in in Red Dragon mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for me, it was like it, it didn't necessarily bother me. It, I just I didn't think about it much. If he had been, if it had been a prequel, if Hannibal had been a prequel, and he looked like he did in Red Dragon, then I think I would have had more of a problem because he was in Hannibal more. But. Yeah, that, it didn't bother me too much, but I get where you're yeah, coming from. I mean, I let it go, but at the same time, yeah, I kind of rolled my eyes and thought, sure. you, you couldn't have tried. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know, put a little more foundation on him or something. Yeah. <laughs> he could have tried to get the wrinkles out. Yeah, a guy can only lose so much weight. Right. Exactly. Get some plumber's caulk and fill in those wrinkles there, buddy. Exactly. So, I have, I have an opinion on that. Okay. Just a second ago, you, you mentioned... You are the resident old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever tried to play yourself 10 years younger? <laughs> I have, it doesn't work. <laughs> uh, you mentioned just a second ago that, like, that the Tooth Fairy, Dollar Hide, was kind of like the Frankenstein. Frankenstein's monster, yeah. Yeah, sure. What if, what if Hannibal Lecter is like a vampire? Because at one point in time in the series, they like, somebody says... Isn't he like some sort of a vampire? Oh, that's true. And instead yeah. of just getting old, but what if he's older and he just gets younger? Oh yeah, like Benjamin Button. Sure. Does vampires age backwards. The more blood they he don't, ate, well, they don't age. He ate all that blood, so it helped them get younger. Now you're suggesting this this this, this series may be supernatural. Sure. In in con- in uh, retrospect. Sure. I, I, mean, sh- I mean, okay. Hey, I, it's a fair. It's a fair theory. You know what? We, you guys read off all those crazy theories about Home Alone. Why not? Yeah, Let's nothing start. really. Yeah, I mean, there's no. There's reason. nothing really to den- to we discredit that. We yeah. can't start our own weird fan theories right now about Silence of the Lambs. I okay. mean, I mean, and he's a vampire. He did yeah. try to eat Will Graham's heart. Well, the vampires don't eat people. Well, they, they drink just blood. Drink, yeah, but they but he eats them. Well, <laughs> they never go that he's far. He's a sophisticated vampire. Or or he's a caveman classy. vampire. He's got the pinky out situation because no, because he roasts things and puts like spices on them. He cooks them. This is airtight to me. I think a classy <laughs> vampire would stick with veganism. <laughs> Just the blood. Something replenishable. <laughs> or fruits and vegetables. Exactly. Just dip it in a little blood barbecue. Sure. But yeah, that's 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 my take and I'm sticking to it. All right. Yeah. Any other, any other notes about the story itself before we move on to how the movie performed? I think we talked about performances. We talked about writing. We mm-hmm. talked about... Uh, tone of the film mm-hmm. talked about how it stacks up versus the other sequels yeah uh do you want to talk about the directing at all uh i mean not really because i don't think it's spectacular and the i mean brett ratner is not someone who is thought upon kindly anymore no he's got kind of a bad reputation yeah he's 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 one of he, he's faced a lot of accusations of terrible things even, in, in his career even and, at the time of filming per my understanding he wasn't considered like I mean, he's following up on Ridley Scott, yeah, who's a widely uh, widely lauded uh, director. So it's kind of like they got the guy to do that did Rush Hour to do you know to follow the guy who uh, called Ridley Ridley Scott. Yeah, so it's like it's kind of an interesting choice. I, I think the movie's fairly workable. There's nothing in it that's glaringly bad in terms of direction. I feel like mm-hmm. uh, other than the director. The, well, other than the director as a human, other than who the director comes to be, I, like, I will say there is in terms of technique. There's nothing. I have one criticism. I I could I could sense him trying to copy uh, the style of of Silence of the Lambs a little bit with the uh, uh, the slow zoom ins on faces. Mm-hmm. Like that didn't really happen in Hannibal as much. Yeah. So it seemed like a, a callback. 
to to silence and it didn't it didn't work for me didn't it doesn't it does not work as well Uh, the first film handles those close-ups yeah like the characters looking directly into camera it's it's great proof that you can't just copy a direct a great director's techniques well that that's something else i wanted to touch on uh one of the things that i saw was that when when will first visits when will first visits hannibal lecter and they're talking it, in the Silence of the Lambs, whenever Clarice and Hannibal are talking to each other, they're looking straight at the camera and they're just kind of feeding off one another. Mm-hmm. And they kind of do that right there. And I've noticed there's parts of the movie where that happens. And I'm like, okay, this guy's trying to copy Jonathan Demi. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there were mo- there were moments. There in were that. there were moments in that. And I kind of I mean I guess I understand from a from the point of view if you're making this film like if our goal is to try to get back in that space because Hannibal was such a departure you know let's do as much as we can without being too hacky but it, it kind of at that point like it's, it's just saying they couldn't get John Demi back you know mm-hmm. to just do this one so it probably would I feel like it would have maybe brought this whole made, made this film feel more important mm-hmm. if you get all of the creative elements because they had the screenwriter they had the actors Mm-hmm. Or at least in in, Han- in 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 Anthony Hopkins, you get the same director back from the first Silence of the Lambs. It might have actually made this film feel maybe for for Josh more uh, more relevant, more more neat, more uh, more necessary mm-hmm. if you get that full creative team back. Um, but it is what it is. I think it's a, I think it's pretty good. I think it's a passable attempt to, to recapture the magic, even if it's not perfect. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to the box office performance then. Red Dragon came out October 4th, 2002, right on time for Halloween. It made, in the United States, a domestic grand total of $93,149,898. What was it again? Say, say, sorry, say the first two numbers? $93 million. It made $93 million on a $78 million budget. Worldwide, it pulled in $209 million. That opening weekend, it uh, debuted at number one. With a $36 million haul. Other movies in the top ten that week include Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, with, Renew, oh, with uh, Reese Witherspoon? Yeah. Yep. Okay. The Tuxedo. Oh, oh yes. With Jackie Chan. Oh, Sorry, that was that too was really loud. loud a reaction to it. <laughs> not good movie. I love the Tuxedo. Well, well tuxedo of course too. you do. I know. It's not going to be uh, on so many uh, super I've actually, I've actually never podcast. seen it. My it's Big bad. Fat Greek Wedding. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. How many? What week was that in at this point? That was in its 25th week at the box office. Still in the top five. That's crazy. That movie pulled in quite a bit. It kept going. It didn't. It made a lot of money and yeah. just kept it in theaters forever. 25 weeks is, is that's half the year. That's yeah. crazy. Oh, yeah. uh, Barbershop. Yes. Uh, jo- Jonah, a VeggieTales movie. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> the other new release that, that week. probably that weekend. <laughs> uh, the Banger Sisters, The Four Feathers, Moonlight Mile, and One Hour Photo. Round out oh, the One Hour 10. Photo with Rob Williams. Yeah, okay. yeah. Cool. You said that was October 4th? Uh, the weekend of October 4th. That's yes, my sister's indeed. birthday. Well, did she go see Red Dragon for Probably her not. birthday? I, mean, I don't feel like she would have gone to see that. Um, trying to see where it where it uh, came out to at the year end. Yeah, for, so for 2002, it was the 29th highest grossing movie of the year in the United States. Oh, it's not a high finish. Uh, for anyone keeping score, the top grossing movie of 2002 was Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. First Spider-Man. The first Spider-Man. First Spider-Man ever. Yeah. Spider-Man. Sam Raimi, another acclaimed horror director taking yep. that one. That's true. That's true. Maybe they should have got Sam Raimi to do Red Dragon. That would have been interesting. It would have been, been interesting. It, more, it probably would have gotten a lot more people's interest than Brett Ratner. Uh, even back then. Let's yeah. let's take a stab at... Ha, take a stab. <laughs> uh, I didn't even mean to do that. At guessing uh, how this score uh, settled at Rotten Tomatoes... Whose credibility is in the air? <laughs> but I the game the is fun. Movies are okay. They might be. They it's might be. Still fine. And I think the critics sh- is still pretty okay. Maybe. Yeah. For now. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a sixty-nine. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna. Do, I, w- I was gonna do a fifty-five. Okay. Now you've already seen. Uh, it. Yeah, I saw it. I'm gonna go optimistic. I'm gonna mm-hmm. say that the critics are. Generally favorable on this and gave it an 81. Oh, wow. I don't know about that one. <laughs> so the critics' consensus is... Are you going to read the consensus? I am. Yeah, oh, this, this is, this is, is new. new. Yeah. All right, you throw new stuff out there. I do it too, mm-hmm. damn it. All right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> Competently made, 
but everything is a bit too familiar. So does anybody want to change anything that they said based on that consensus? I will lower it if I can. Am I yeah, to lower if, it? He's, if he's I'll letting us change, there, sure. I'll lower it to a 79. I'll raise it to a 60. I'll lower it to a 65. <laughs> 68. Oh. oh, you should have kept it. You'd have been close. Well, you're still closest. You're still closest. But... Still close, man. I'm well uh, how about that? All right. For audience. Oh no, I, that's too high. I don't oh, think I, it, I don't think it's seventy four good. I'm right on with the audience. Sixty eight percent. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Well, how do we rank it on our on our one to five scale? Two and a half. Okay. I think I give it a three. Okay. Yeah, I think I give it a three as well. It's mm. it's a solid three. It's a two for me. Okay. I'm ex- yeah. Uh, where do we uh, want to rank? The trilogy. How do we want to rank it? So uh, you said trilogy. You mean the individuals? Yeah, yeah. Where, what would it, it should be noted be that we're not including Manhunter or Hannibal, Hannibal Rising. Rising. Correct. So of just these three. Then we have the guy who played Gabe in it. Uh, Hannibal. Who's Gabe? <laughs> From uh, the Office. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I I'm joking. My my ranking is is the Silence of the Lambs. Uh, 25 empty spaces, Red <laughs> Dragon, then Hannibal. The 25 empty spaces are my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> over and over and over again. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, because I don't... Saying anything is second to Silence when it's a, such a critically acclaimed film is tough. Yeah, like it's it's pretty much the same. Silence, Red Dragon, Hannibal. Uh, for me, I say Silence too. I, I really enjoyed it. I had never watched it prior to this this uh, this, this podcast. And I missed out. I've missed out all these years. I understand uh, so much more. Uh, I, it's number one. I put Red Dragon number two. Mm-hmm. I think it's a solid number two. I think yeah. it's a good follow up. <laughs> but solid number two. anyway, anyway, I don't want to talk about that. But I, I've not seen Hannibal. Based on your responses, it seems like it seems like it would probably uh, make me sick. Yeah, I don't think you'd be into but, it. But no. uh, I, I do plan to get around to watching it. But you didn't ask me to watch no, it. So no. I didn't. Well, I'm asking you to watch it. We, yeah, please you watch, can watch it. it. So, Hannibal. And are you going to shake it up at all? No, not in the slightest. Okay. But I will say that I think that for me, whenever we went around the table and ranked everything, Silence and Red Dragon have the same star scoring for me. Um. <sighs> It's it's lower, and that's only because Silence was hit real hard with all the controversy. When we everywhere. learned more, yeah. And so it really lowered it for me. It Had it not had that, it would be much higher. Mm-hmm. But because of that, they are the same. So you're adding historical context into your... You got, yeah, the historical context hit, I think, all of us quite a bit. Yes. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a movie base level, Silence would be much higher. But because of everything... That is tied with Red Dragon. I settled on thinking I I'd, I liked Silence as a movie. I'm not sure that it's as good as it thinks it is. Uh, I, I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a, a like that movie won Best Picture at the Oscars. I don't I know, know about that. I don't know if it thought that it was going to do that. I, I think I, I. It just it, it has this air of pretentiousness about it. Well, yeah, I think that. Well, that's what they were going for. But I don't Only think they horror had, movie or first horror movie to ever win Best Picture. I don't think uh, they. Yeah, I don't I think mean, they had just, any anticipation they would even be nominated. For probably Best not. Picture. Probably not. But it's. It, I think that in the, at the end of the day, if you're going to look at this franchise for any one thing, you got to look at it for the performance element. It's incredibly. It's got incredible. Anthony Hopkins, across the board, in my opinion, is is consistently creepy and consistently good yeah. in this portrayal of Hannibal Lecter. And then you got, uh, oh, who was Claire, who was Clarice in the first one? Jodie um, Foster. Jodie Foster, really good. And that's the other thing. She was recast as Julianne Moore in the second in Hannibal, and it's yeah. just hard to forgive that. Yeah, she just didn't sucks. pull up the same. I understand that. I it makes it weird. That's why the the end of this or the, the this one with them bringing in like. The kind of minor characters, the people who were running the asylum, in it makes it feel like a weird MCU movie in that way because it's like, well, they got some like, they even went out of their way to go get the characters that like nobody really would have minded if they were recast, mm-hmm. but they went and got them, and uh, you know, so. Well, since we're wrapping up a series with this episode, uh, the final question I'm going to pose to everyone is: Should these sequels have been made? No, both of them. Well, technically, the first. Nah, last... don't give me that crap. <laughs> I know technically one of them is a prequel. No. Okay. No. I'll say yes. I think Red Dragon as a book is really good, and it's the first in the series of the book. So to make the middle one out of context, it, it, you know, out of place like that, it performed really well. But I feel like first movie did up definitely. 
And the author wrote another book based on the success, I think, of Silence of the Lambs. So why, you know, why not take advantage? Now, had they had Hannibal maybe been executed better, the more maybe the general consensus would change. But I think it was it was such it was so hot, and it, because of the it's a series of books and not just a one book, and they mm-hmm. made up new movies to accompany it. I feel like it was worthwhile trying to explore the whole book series. Okay. I think that uh, Hannibal could have been left out because even I've not read the book, but it doesn't seem like it matters as a book. It doesn't seem like it matters as a movie. Uh, I find Red Dragon interesting and good, mostly because I like Will Graham. And I think that is a story that is interesting. I think as the final products, neither of them should have been made. However, I think Hannibal... Had it have been made better, I think there's a, uh, there's an appetite for more Hannibal. I'm iffy on prequels, so I'm not sure that anyone needed a prequel, especially a prequel that didn't bother to to be a Hannibal movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would have liked to have seen a better sequel, but as it stands, I didn't really need either of them. But I wish they would have been better. You you've seen bits and pieces of of the show, the show right? I've seen bits and pieces, so. I intend having, to watch it one day. Having been a fan of this movie as a kid, it gives me a really good appreciation for this movie and the show. Oh. So maybe that's why I like this Could show be. more. Because, again, I go back to thinking that this movie is a Will Graham movie, not a Hannibal movie. Mm-hmm. And so if they would have given me an opportunity to get more Will I'm Graham, assuming Will Graham is the main character in the show? He's the main detective. Okay. The the, the show See, is I'm about coming... Will Graham and Hannibal. Yeah. And their interactions with each other. My and, perspective is Will Graham doesn't exist until Red Dragon, and when you give me Red Dragon, Will Graham, I think, who is this guy and why do I care? I yeah. care about Hannibal. Yeah, definitely. But if you are coming from a, a character you enjoy from a TV show and you're seeing his prequel, that does that changes the context. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. From my context, there is no Will Graham, and now, I don't care about to, him. Now, to levy that, the show wasn't out when this movie came out. But I right, still this came after. But, you, but my appreciation well, for this true. movie, rewatching it, has is is more because I really understand Will Graham. Okay, I understand the show is giving you more enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that that that's it then. That's our we've we've completed. Our, what are, you, are you mumbling over there? I'm trying to <laughs> muttering to himself. I just hear. <laughs> no, I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to think of a send off here. Okay, well mm-hmm. you have only seconds to go. Yeah, uh, it's probably not going to happen. We'll be back next. We're we're working on a special Avengers series to lead up to Endgame. Very excited about that. And that should do it for us this week. We would love to hear your thoughts about Red Dragon and the entire Hannibal Lecter series. You can leave them at our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash so many sequels pod, or at facebook.com slash so many sequels sequels pod. Speakwels. Speakwels. You can find us there and and like, like our page and share our posts. And we're also available on Instagram and Twitter if you'd like to follow us there. Uh, So go watch, go watch movies this week. And until next time, and be grateful. Our mo- our. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> you waiting it off the phone and you can't get it right. Let a pro say it. Man, what Hannibal eat your brain? Fly, little podcast. Fly, fly, fly.